I'm young, Libby. I'm here again to read to you. Um, it's Wednesday, February 9th, 2022. <laughs> dear diary, dear Libby. No, but really, I'm young. I, um, okay, this is, I, I think it's comic, it's so comical. So I'm, and I have to share with you anyway, because I chose, I chose Korean because, um, I've been watching a lot of Kim's Convenience on Netflix recently, and I'm digging the show. It's funny and good. And I like it. I relate to Janet. I relate to Janet. Like a nice day. She is me. I am her. Well, in some ways. But anyway. Anyway, anyway, anyway. I went to look up how to say hello in Korean. And then I was like, oh, yeah. OMG, it's, it reminded me, Scooty, this is not, go away. You can't be on my lap. He wants to be on my lap. Dude, I'm wearing a microphone. I'm wearing a microphone. He's like breathing right at the, he's like, his face is, you can't lay here. Get your whiskers off the microphone, my dude. Get out of here. Okay, Um. well, apparently it's happening because he's pinned me down. He's really, honestly, non-consensual. This is just so rude. I'm going to move this up. Ugh. Now's not time for snacks, bro. He wants to snuggle so hard because I just got home from work, pretty much. Anyway, okay, I'm getting totally distracted. Anyang is how you say, well, at least it's how I'm trying to say hello or how are you, whatever, a greeting in Korean. And... I remembered the joke from Arrested Development because they're the character. They they called him On Young. They thought that was his name because that's what he that's the first word he said, and they just call him that then. And it's a funny joke. Okay, it's funny, and it just made me chuckle. <laughs> but uh, you know what else makes me chuckle is my coworkers, and you know what I'm just gonna drop the juice on them because they they are I don't know interesting to deal with. So as I was ranting about people interrupting, I did put it as a note to discuss. I was feeling brave, and I talked talked to Zach about it, and I basically let Zach know exactly how I feel. <laughs> And then I was like, how do I say this politely? And he's like, yeah, I don't know. So then I'm like, okay. So I figured out how to say it politely. Well, then we talked about it because apparently today was retro. Um, I don't know why it caught me off guard that our retro's on Wednesday. But we had retro, so we talked about it. And Aaron told us that he's been told that he's a steamroller and that he does this. And I'm like, okay, so you're aware of this problem, basically. Then I was like, how can I help you be better? <laughs> like, do you need me to just, like, shout at you that you're interrupting me and be like, yo, you're interrupting me? He's like, if you feel comfortable doing that, by all means. I'm just like, okay, well, maybe I should do that. But also then instantly, right after discussing it and talking about it, he just continued to do it. I'm just like, I understand this is a habit for you, but I don't, I also don't understand how you've developed a habit of not waiting for someone to stop talking before you start talking. Um, 
yeah, I don't know. It just it feels so rude. Uh, but Scott does it as well. And but Scott's fun to make fun of because he's a dweebus. And anyway, he so this so whatever. So we're all just acknowledging our problems and. I was like, okay, is maybe what we need to do is just like roast each other. I said this earlier. Scooty. Okay, I did poke at his foot. He's a big baby head though. He needs to get his nails trimmed. Um, sorry. <laughs> like we were just like throwing stuff out there. Like, yo, I don't like it when you do this. So I'm just like, yo, maybe you should tell me that you don't like what I'm doing or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, let's just roast each other for fun. And Scott was like, you don't have anything on me. I'm just like bro he thinks we don't have any material i'm like bro your existence is material do not come at me like this and say there's not enough material so i put it as a note on our retro to roast him because he thinks we don't have enough material but i feel like i needed to make a list of roasts like roast jokes for him so that we can actually roast him because he deserves it, but apparently his friends do it all to him all the time. And we don't know anything that we could wrote. He is like talking about martial arts and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, you, he was talking about how he like doesn't, wouldn't, it, it was because I asked him because I know he gives like misogynist vibes, bro. You do. If you don't know Scott, you do. Um, but <laughs> if you ever hear this, bro but seriously lib this guy he doesn't do i just i don't know <sighs> but i think he he's he's just a dweebus like he's a misogynist and he doesn't know how to act around women i'm just like i don't get like because I asked him about the class. I asked him about the martial arts, the whatever, the gym that he goes to. I don't know what you call it. And I was like, are there women there? Are they participating? Like, what is this? And he's like, well, yeah, like you could. But there, there's, well, first, the first thing he said was women's day or women. They have like one time that it's all only women and it's on Sundays. And I'm just like, good to know. I love it. I'm living for that. But also... So there are men and women, but it's mostly men. And sometimes there's a woman, basically. I didn't say that, but then he went on to say that it was weird for him the first time. He had to roll with a woman. And I'm just like, bro, why is that weird? I mean, I like I did that in high school and it's not weird. If, like, we're all just human people, like, why are you, I don't know, it just feels, he's giving vibes like, ooh, I don't want to hurt a woman, which I get that's like, well, you shouldn't hurt anyone, that's, you know what I mean, but for a man to abuse a woman is, like, surely worse than for what I, whatever. This is the, the thought he's going, and I'm just, like, literally anyone hurting anyone else without, without I mean, without their consent, we're all here to do the same thing, this is the whole thing. You don't hurt anyone without their consent, but you can hurt someone with their consent. And that is called exactly what you're doing, beesh. <laughs> so anyway, uh, he's got stories about this. So I'm like, no doubt. Then he was telling us about this dummy. I'm like, no doubt. There's so much roast material right here. I'm just making fun of you right now. But 
he was he actually came into the office for the afternoon and i'm just like dude glad to see you here so i can talk shit to your face <laughs> just kidding but kind of but also we're like the same height and when i'm wearing like my boots that give me an inch or two without trying and i'm living for it i don't know why i feel like a part of me wants to go to this jujitsu gym i know i would i know that it's not about like wanting to hurt someone but it's like you annoy me enough that i would also very much enjoy just like of maneuvering away from your maneuvers it's evading his maneuvers if i i'm enticed to wrestle this bitch He's got me enticed to wrestle him because he's a podunk bitch. But I have like a hundred pounds on him, literally. So I'm just like, no doubt if I learned the technique, I would be at an advantage. I don't know. I'm not going to say that, but I'm not going to get cocky. <laughs> but he annoys me. Okay. And I would love to put him in this place. That's all I'm saying. By physically dominating, sure, that would achieve it. <laughs> By mentally dominating, sure, that also achieves it. By emotionally, I don't know, how other ways can you beat someone? Just prove someone that you're better. I'm living for it. I just want to beat him down. But I learned that he's a little baby boy. He was born in 1999. I know that's not that far away from when I was born, but it's, fear, it's far enough for me to be like, you're a boy, not a man. Okay, anyway, I, here I am, just an old woman, going on and on about this kid at work. But speaking of kids at work, I did eat lunch with Zach, and it was delightful. He listens to me talk. I think he needs a break from me every once in a while, which is fine. I understand. I'm a bit much. However, it's delightful hanging out with him. He's so nice. He's a breath of fresh air. And I would love to know more about his wife. Um, but I, I don't know. So I, I feel like an asshole. So I have refrained from asking lots of questions. Like I'll certainly ask crazy, stupid questions, but deep questions. I would like to dig deeper, but I don't want to be like, here, I would like you to expose everything about yourself to me right now <laughs> on the clock. But anyway, it was a good day, I suppose. And I caught Jared on the way out. We crossed, crawl, <laughs> why can't I talk? We, our, oh Christ. We crossed paths. <laughs> is that a tur? is that even a phrase? Scooty, relax. I don't know. Anyway, I should start reading. I'm sorry, I'm getting carried away. Ch chitting and chatting about works. But that's just where I was and I felt I needed to share. Okay, I can't believe we're so far and we're almost done. And then, yeah, oh, sure, I'll probably read the, th the seventh book. Sure, why not? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if that's what you want. I mean, your feedback is, your feedback is highly important to me. So tell me, please, reach out and say it. Do you want me to keep going? Well... Yes, of course. You'd love me to get on with this chapter, but here it is then. 
Here it is. Oh, 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 I forgot a thing. I wanted to say one more thing. Got an Instagram message. Scooty Bog. Oh, come on. Drama. The drama. I'm sorry. I got an Instagram message from Laura. And Laura is here because she wanted to reread the book, but listening is easier. And then, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, we're here. Okay, Scooty, honestly, you cannot lay there. He's laying directly on my hand that's holding the book. You can't do it. It's unacceptable. Unacceptable. But shout out to Laura. Hello. Um, chapter 26. The Cave. Ooh, girl. Libby. Labacious. <laughs> I don't know, ever since I've heard, that word has been stuck in my head. And I'm like, any, like, also, waslib, lib. Come on. These are, feel, I need to call you these things as nicknames because it's funny to me. I love playing with the lib, you know? <laughs> okay, sorry. Um. <laughs> anyway, chapter 26, the cave, we're getting heated up. Chapter 26 of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince by J.K. Rowling. I did not write this story. She wrote this story. I'm just reading the story. If it's not clear, I want it to be clear. Chapter 26 is the cave and it's looking spooky and ominous. This is a perf... I, I'm living for this art because it's very contained. Okay. Other, other, other ones of these... Maybe it's just the darkness, the saturation. It's dark. Okay, I love it. There's a full moon. Picture this. There's a full moon and there's like clouds and they're like, but they're not like clumpy clouds. They're like swoopy and curvy clouds, you know, and they kind of mist, you know what I mean? When they dissolve into the air and then there's like a little, there's like a, a gradient of the saturation of the cloud. Anyway, I'm getting carried away. There's also rocks. There's a cliff. It, it looks like a cliff face. And then right at the bottom where the waves are crashing. Like a cliff face to the ocean. I don't know. And there's, yeah, but there's like a, a um, what's the word? <laughs> word, 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 word. Plateau. It's a flat surface. It like sticks out. It, okay, if you squint and look at it, it kind of looks like a toilet if you know what I'm saying with the cliff face that comes down and then a flat surface that would be like the toilet lid but then it kind of comes in underneath because it's a scraggly cliff face there's water all around it it looks low-key toilet-ish anyway so if you imagine this dark toilet with the waves and the swoops of the clouds and the, on top of the lid of the toilet <laughs> There are two dark figures, there's shadows, and one of them is presumably Harry and the other is Dumbledore. We know where this is going, okay? Who are we kidding? I know who these people are. You know who these people are. Our cloaks are billowing in all wind. Our hair is flowing in all wind, which doesn't happen to me anymore because I don't have long hair, which also is kind of sweet, but also I really need haircut. But also, if my hair isn't flowing in the wind it's also not flowing into my face and that is sweet anyway so Dumbledore 
is holding out his arm with his wand and his wand is lit up you can see it it's glowing Ooh, the cave <laughs> okay sorry i'm being too dramatic this just feels so juicy okay here we go harry could smell salt and hear rushing waves a light chilly breeze ruffled his hair as he looked out at moonlit sea and star-strewn sky he was standing upon a high outcrop of dark rock, water foaming and churning below him. He glanced over his shoulder. A towering cliff stood behind them, a sheer drop black and faceless. A few large chunks of rock, such as the one upon which Harry and Dumbledore were standing, looked as though they had broken away from the cliff face at some point in the past. It was a bleak, harsh view, the sea and the rock, unrelieved by any tree or sweep of grass or sand. Yo, you imagine how windy that would feel also on your face. Do you know that would feel so windy on your face? Even walking by the river, and I know, baby, I know it's a tiny river. But even just walking by the water, it's just like open space for wind to just blow and gust and be really cold. So that's just like, oh, it's also chilly. Actually, it was kind of a heat wave today, too. It was like 36 degrees or something out there. I was like, yo. But it's been kind of dark and dingy. Okay, I'm so sorry. I'm getting <laughs> carried away about myself. What do you think? Asked Dumbledore. He might have been asking Harry's opinion on whether it was a good site for a picnic. Oh, what do you think? asked Dumbledore. They brought the kids from the orphanage here? asked Harry, who could not imagine a less cozy spot for a day trip. Not here precisely, said Dumbledore. There is a village of sorts about halfway along the cliffs behind us. I believe the orphans were taken there for a little sea air and a view of the waves. No, I think it was only ever Tom Riddle and his youthful victims who visited this spot. No muggle could reach this rock unless they were uncommonly good mountaineers, or boats, and boats cannot approach the cliffs. The water around them is too, the waters around them are too dangerous. True that, though. Water will kill your ass. And people don't take it seriously enough. Honestly, every year, people in Lake Superior die because they don't take the water seriously, and that is a rookie mistake, my dude. A rookie mistake. Okay. I imagine that Riddle... Actually, I wanted to go off on, on a tangent about the, the, about the water being dangerous. Okay. There's this island in Marquette off of... In Lake Superior. And you can, like... When the tide is low... When <laughs> the tide is low. <laughs> when the water is low enough, you can walk. And I think you can always walk. But it's, like, probably, like hip height but there's like a really strong current that runs through there and all the time people get lose their footing or whatever and get swept away into this current that goes around this little island and it kills people it's so unfortunate just for a little for kicks and gigs you know when you're like oh shoot i'm gonna walk out to this island but it's that shit i'm sorry in dark okay 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 pep it up i imagine that riddle climbed down magic would have served better than ropes oh 
Scooby-Doo. That's what I, that's where I will. Okay, no muggle can reach this rock unless they were uncommonly good mountaineers and boats cannot approach the cliffs. The water on them is dangerous. I imagine that Riddle climbed down. Magic would have served better than ropes, and he brought two small children with him, probably for the pleasure of terrorizing them. I think the journey alone would have done it, don't you? Harry looked up at the cliff again and felt goosebumps. But his final destination, and ours, lies a little farther on. Come. Dumbledore beckoned Harry to the very edge of the rock, where a series of jagged niche, 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 what am I saying? I don't know. Niche. Niche, right? For sure. Jagged niche. Niches. (laughs) Niches and hoes. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay, sure. Niche, night. Jagged niches. I hate this word. They made footholds leading down to boulders that lay half submerged in water and closer to the cliff. It was a treacherous descent, and Dumbledore, hampered slightly by his withered hand, moved slowly. The lower rocks were slippery with seawater. Harry could feel flecks of cold salt, sp- cold salt spray hitting his face. Lumos, said Dumbledore, as he reached the boulder closest to the cliff face. A thousand flecks of golden light sparkled upon the dark surface of the water a few feet below where he crouched. The black wall of rock beside him was illuminated, too. "'You see?' said Dumbledore quietly, holding his wand a little higher. Harry saw a fissure in the cliff into which dark water was swirling. "'You will not object to getting a little wet?' "'No,' said Harry. "'Then take off your invisibility cloak. There's no need for it now, and let us take the plunge.' And with the sudden agility of a much younger man. How old is Dumbledore? I feel like this... I I don't know. I don't understand. Okay, whatever. With the sudden agility of a much younger man, Dumbledore slid from the boulder, landed in the sea, and began to swim with a perfect breaststroke toward the dark slit in the rock face, his lit wand held in his teeth. Harry pulled off his cloak, stuffed it into his pocket, and followed. Right, of course, because it's like a space blanket. It's magic. The water was icy. Harry's waterlogged clothes billowed around him and weighed him down. Taking deep breaths that filled his nostrils with the tang of salt and seaweed, he struck out for it. Yeah, that's what it says. He struck out for the shimmering, shrinking light now moving deeper into the cliff. The fissure soon opened into a dark tunnel that Harry could tell would be filled with water at high tide. The slimy walls were barely three feet apart and glimmered like wet tar in the passing light of Dumbledore's wand. A little way in, the passageway curved to the left, and Harry saw that it extended far into the cliff. He continued to swim in Dumbledore's wake, the tips of his benumbed fingers brushing the rough, wet rock. How do we have so much experience swimming? I feel like swimming is not like an... You don't just, do you just know how to do it? This doesn't feel like something, it feels like something you need to learn how to do and then then you can do it. And then maybe you're a strong swimmer, but also, what? Okay, I don't know. Anyway, whatever. I just don't see the Dursleys taking Harry swimming. It's all I'm saying. He doesn't go to swim lessons, I'm sure of it. Okay, whatever. 
Then he saw Dumbledore rising out of the water ahead, his silver hair and dark robes gleaming. When Harry reached the spot, he found steps that led into a large cave. He clambered up them, water streaming from his soaking clothes, and emerged, shivering uncontrollably, into the still and freezing air. Dumbledore was standing in the middle of the cave, his wand held high as he turned slowly on the spot, examining the walls and ceiling. Yes, this is the place, said Dumbledore. How can you tell? Harry spoke in a whisper. It has known magic, said Dumbledore simply. Harry could not tell whether the shivers he was experiencing were due to his spine-deep coldness or to the same awareness of enchantments. Ooh, spooky. I need a double pillow to prop my book. He watched as Dumbledore continued to revolve on the spot, evidently concentrating on things Harry could not see. This is merely the antechamber, the entrance hall, said Dumbledore after a moment or two. We need to penetrate the inner place. Now it is Lord Voldemort's obstacles that stand in our way, rather than those nature made. Dumbledore approached the wall of the cave and caressed it with his blackened fingertips, murmuring words in a strange tongue that Harry did not understand. Twice Dumbledore walked round. Twice Dumbledore walked right around the cave, touching as much of the rough rock, rough rock, as he could. Occasionally pausing, running his fingers backward and forward over a particular spot, until finally he stopped his hand pressed flat against the wall. Here, he said, we go on through here. The entrance is concealed. Harry did not ask how Dumbledore knew. Oh, why did I say it like that? I don't know. Here, he said, we go on through here. The entrance is concealed. Harry did not know how Dumbledore knew. He had never seen a wizard work things out like this, simply by looking and touching. But Harry had long since learned that bangs and smoke were more often the marks of ineptitude than expertise. Dumbledore stepped back from the cave wall and pointed his wand at the rock. For a moment, an arched outline appeared there, blazing white as though there was a powerful light behind the crack. You've d- done it, said Harry through chattering teeth, but before the words had left his lips, the outline had gone, leaving the rock as bare and solid as ever. Dumbledore looked around. Harry, I'm so sorry, I forgot, he said. He pointed. He now pointed his wand at Harry, and at once Harry's clothes were as warm and dry as if they had been hanging in front of a blazing fire. Damn, ooh, good. Is his hair still wet? Anyway. Thank you, said Harry gratefully, but Dumbledore had already turned his attention back to the solid cave wall. He did not try any more magic, but simply stood there, staring at it intently, as though something extremely interesting was written on it. Harry stayed quite still. He did not want to break Dumbledore's concentration. Then, after two solid minutes, Dumbledore said quietly, Oh, surely not. So crude. What is it, Professor? I rather think, said Dumbledore, putting his uninjured hand inside his robes and drawing out a short silver knife of the kind Harry used to chop potion ingredients, that we are required to make payment to pass. Payment? said Harry. You've got to give the door something? Yes, said Dumbledore. Blood, if I am not much mistaken. 
blood? I said it was crude, said Dumbledore, who sounded disdainful, even disappointed as though Voldemort had fallen short of the standards Dumbledore expected. The idea, as I am sure you will have gathered, is that your enemy must weaken him or herself to enter. Once again, Lord Voldemort fails to grasp that there are much more terrible things than physical injury. Yeah, but still, if you can avoid it, said Harry, who had experienced enough pain not to be keen for more. Sometimes, however, it is unavoidable, said Dumbledore. Dumbledore's so wise, yo. Yeah, pain is, it's unavoidable. You know, like what, I mean, truly, what is it? Life is unavoidable, it feels like. I didn't choose to be here, excuse me. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> Sometimes, however, it is unavoidable, said Dumbledore, shaking, the, shaking back the sleeve of his robes and exposing the forearm as the elbow of his, in, uh, uh, yes, his injured hand. Professor, protested Harry, hurrying forward as Dumbledore raised his knife. I'll do it. I'm, he did not know what he was going to say. Younger? Fitter? But Dumbledore merely smiled. There was a flash of silver and a spurt of scarlet. The rock face was peppered with dark, glistening drops. You are very kind, Harry, said Dumbledore, now passing the tip of his wand over the deep cut as he made in the deep cut he had made in his own arm, so that it healed instantly, just as Snape had healed Malfoy's wounds. But your blood is worth more than mine. Ah, that seems to have done the trick, doesn't it? The blazing silver outline of an arch had appeared on the wall once more, in the wall once more. And this time it did not fade away. The blood-spattered rock within it simply vanished, leaving an opening. <coughs> oh, boy. You know what? Something's just <laughs> opening. Oh, I think it's a sound of O. I don't know. Maybe it's just any. Maybe it's any sound I'm making when my throat goes. <clears throat> okay. The blood, sorry about that. The blood spattered rock within it simply vanished, leaving an opening into it into what seemed total darkness. After me, I think, said Dumbledore, and he walked through the archway with Harry on his heels, lightly his own wand hast lighting his own wand hastily as he went. An eerie sight met their eyes. There is standing on the edge of a great black lake so vast that Harry could not make out the distant banks, in a cavern so high that the ceiling, too, was out of sight. A misty greenish light shone far away in what looked like the middle... Scooty, bug off. You can't snug. It's not time for snugs. Go away. Uh, misty greenish light. Ooh, old Greg. Okay, sorry. This is not the time for old Greg. A misty greenish light shone far away in what looked like the middle of the lake. It was reflected in the completely still water below. The greenish glow and the light from the two wands were the only things that broke the otherwise velvety blackness, though their rays did not penetrate as far as Harry would have expected. The darkness was somehow denser than normal darkness. Let us walk, said Dumbledore quietly. Be very careful not to step into the water. Stay close to me. He set off around the edge of the lake and Harry followed close behind him. Their footsteps made echoing, slapping sounds on the narrow rim of rock that surrounded the water. On and on they walked, but the view did not vary. On one side of them, the rough cavern wall. On the other, the boundless expanse of smooth, glassy blackness. 
in the very middle of which was that mysteriously greenish glow. Harry found the place in the silence oppressive, unnerving. Professor, he said finally, do you think the Horcrux is here? Oh, yes, said Dumbledore. Scooty, seriously, it's not time for snack. No, you sneaky snake. It's got me pins on. Oh, okay, whatever. Oh, yes, said Dumbledore. Yes, I am sure it is. The question is, how do we get to it? We couldn't, we couldn't just try a summoning charm, Harry said. Sure that it was a stupid suggestion, but he was much keener than he was prepared to admit on getting out of this place as soon as he, he was much keener than he was prepared to admit on getting out of this place as soon as possible. Certainly we could, said Dumbledore, stopping so suddenly that Harry almost walked into him. Why don't you do it? Me? Oh, okay. Harry had not, ex <laughs> had not expected this, but cleared his throat and said loudly, wand aloft, Accio Horcrux. <laughs> With a noise like an explosion, something very large and pale erupted out of the water some 20 feet away. Before Harry could see what it was, it had vanished again with a crashing splash that made great deep ripples on the mirrored surface. Harry leapt backward in shock and hit the wall. His heart was still thundering as he turned to Dumbledore. What was that? Something, I think, that is ready to respond should we attempt to seize the Horcrux. Harry looked back at the water. The surface of the lake was once more shining black glass. The ripples had vanished unnaturally fast. Ooh, spooky! What do you do? How does that, like, okay, obviously it's magic, but if you, like, you can do, like, a counter wave to cancel the wave, is that how you, is that how you would hypothetically do it? Oh, bro, that's so cool. Science! Anyway, the ripples had vanished unnaturally fast. Harry's heart, however, was still pounding. Did you think that would happen, sir? I thought something would happen if we made an obvious attempt to get our hands on the Horcrux. That was a very good idea, Harry. Much the simplest way of finding out what we are facing. But we don't know what the thing was, said Harry, looking at the sinisterly smooth water. What the things are, you mean, said Harry. I doubt very much that there's only one of them. Shall we walk on? Professor? Yes, Harry? Do you think we're going to have to go into the lake? Into it? Only if we are very unfortunate. You don't think the Horcrux is at the bottom? Oh, no. I think the Horcrux is in the middle. And Dumbledore pointed toward the misty green light in the center of the lake. So we're going to have to cross the lake to get to it? Yes, I think so. Harry did not say anything. His thoughts were all of the water, were all of water monsters, of giant serpents, of demons, kelpies, and sprites. Aha, said Dumbledore. And he stopped again, this time. Harry really did walk into him. For a moment, he toppled on the edge of the dark water, and Dumbledore's uninjured hand closed tightly around his upper arm, pulling him back. So sorry, Harry. I should have given warning. Stand back against the wall, please. I think I have found the place. Harry had no idea what Dumbledore meant. What the hell you mean, Dumbledore? This patch of dark bank was exactly like every other bit as far as he could tell, but Dumbledore seemed to have detected something special about it. This time, he was running his hands not over the rocky wall, but over the thin air, 
as though expecting to find and grip something invisible. Oh, said Dumbledore happily, seconds later. His hand had closed in midair upon something Harry could not see. Dumbledore moved closer to the water. Harry watched nervously as the tips of Dumbledore's buckled shoes found the buckled shoes what the hell kind of shoes dumbledore wearing buckled shoes what is, is this like a pilgrim buckled shoe is that what you're telling me what is a buckled shoe his buckled shoes found the utmost edge of the rock rim the rim keeping his hand clenched in midair dumbledore raised his wand with the other and tapped his fist with the point Immediately, a thick, coppery-green chain appeared out of thin air, extending from the depths of the water into Dumbledore's clenched hand. Dumbledore tapped the chain, which began to slide through his fist like a snake, coiling itself on the rock with a clinking sound that echoed noisily off the rocky walls, pulling something from the depths of the black water. Harry gasped as the ghostly prowl of a tiny boat broke the surface, glowing as green as the chain and floated, with barely a ripple, toward the place on the bank where Harry and Dumbledore stood. How did you know that was there? Harry asked in astonishment. Magic always leaves traces, said Dumbledore, as the boat hit the bank with a gentle bump. Sometimes very distinctive traces. I taught Tom Riddle. I know his style. Is, is this boat safe? Oh yes, I think so. Voldemort needed to create a means to cross the lake without attracting the wrath of those creatures he had placed within it. Within it in case, yeah, it does say within it in, within it in case, he ever wanted to visit or remove his horcrux. So the things in the water won't do anything if, to us if we cross in Voldemort's boat? I think we must resign ourselves to the fact that they will, at some point, Realize we are not Lord Voldemort. Thus far, however, we have done well. They have allowed us to raise the boat. But why have they let us? asked Harry, who could not shake off the vision of tentacles rising out of the dark water the moment they were out of sight of the bank. Voldemort would have been reasonably confident that none but a very great wizard would be would have been able to find the boat, said Dumbledore. I think he would have been prepared to risk what was, to his mind, the most unlikely possibility that somebody else would... Ooh, excuse me, I hiccup and burp. Ooh, what a combo. That's what makes a combo. Bite, bite, sip, sip. It's the deep dish combo mambo. Only at Little Caesars. <laughs> okay, so sorry. That was a weird... Okay, that was weird. Um, maybe I should explain it. Okay, so when I was in college, I was in Michigan, we watched a lot of Red Wings. Little Caesars is a thing. Um, we saw a lot of Little Caesars ads. Um, it's a, there's like a, um, it's a combo. There's a combo, and they have a commercial, and they made a song. And then one time, um, our friend was like, oh, that's what makes a combo. Like, he didn't get the commercial, and it took him so long to get the commercial, and it was really funny. Okay, so sorry. Now, where was I? I have no idea where I was on the page. So I'm going to scan. D-D-D-D. It doesn't look... Blah, 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 blah. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, yeah. Harry's worried about where... Oh, my. <laughs> He's scared of the tentacles. 
Okay, The Great Wizard, Unlikely Possibility, um, BBBB, possibility that somebody would find it, knowing that he had set other obstacles ahead that only he would be able to penetrate. We shall see whether he is right. Harry looked down into the boat. It really was very small. It doesn't look like it was built for two people. Will it hold both of us? Will we be too heavy together? Dumbledore chuckled. Voldemort will not have cared about the weight, but about the amount of magical power that crossed his lake. I rather think that an enchantment will have been placed upon this boat so that, the only, so that only one wizard at a time will be able to sail in it. But then, I do not think you will count, Harry. You are underage and unqualified. Voldemort would never have expected a 16-year-old to reach this place. I think it unlikely that your powers will register compared to mine. Ooh, that could be a sweet burn. Okay, you don't think it's a sweet burn? Neither do I. It's not a burn. You need to relax with your dealio boy. I don't know why he's so grumpy but bumpy. He's like laying on my lap. He's getting everything he ever desired. <laughs> Okay, so sorry. Okay, these words did, not ra did nothing to raise Harry's morale. Perhaps Dumbledore knew it, for he added, Voldemort's mistake, Harry. Voldemort's mistake. Age is foolish and forgetful when it underestimates youth. That's, yeah, that's pretty true. That, that's really true. Kids are very bright. Now, you first this time, and be careful not to touch the water. Dumbledore, sorry if you can hear me scratching my hair, my hair is scratchy, <laughs> scratchy, <laughs> Dumbledore stood aside and Harry climbed carefully into the boat. Dumbledore stepped in too, coiling the chain onto the floor. They were crammed in together. Harry could not comfortably sit, but crouched, his knees jutting over the edge of the boat, which began to move at, Scooty, if you don't want to be here, then leave. Oh my God, get your butt, okay, it's but it's like all over the microphone. Great. Love it. <sighs> okay. Dumbledore stood aside and Harry climbed carefully into the boat. Dumbledore stepped in too, coiling the chain onto the floor. They were crammed in together. Harry could not comfortably sit but crouched, his knees jutting out over the edge of the boat, which began to move at once. There was no sound other than the silken rustle of the boat's prow cleaving the water. It moved without their help as though an invisible rope was pulling it onward toward the light in the center. Soon they could no longer see the walls of the cavern. They might have been at sea except that, there, except that there were no waves. Harry looked down and saw the reflected gold of his wand light sparkling and glittering on the black water as they passed. The boat was carving deep ripples upon the glassy surface, grooves in the dark mirror. And then Harry saw it, marble white, floating inches below the surface. Professor, he said, and his startled voice echoed loudly over the silent water. Harry, I think I saw a hand in the water, a human hand. Yes, I am sure you did, said Dumbledore calmly. Uh, yo, why? Harry stared down into the water, looking for the vanished hand, and a sick feeling rose in his throat. So, that thing that jumped out of the water... But Harry had his answer before Dumbledore could reply. The wand light had slid over a fresh patch of water and showed him. 
this time a dead man lying face up inches beneath the surface. His open eyes misted as though with cobwebs, his hair and his robes swirling around with smoke, were swirling around him like smoke. There are bodies in here, said Harry, and his voice sounded much higher than usual and most unlike his own. Yes, said Dumbledore placidly, but we do not need to worry about them at the moment. At the moment, Harry repeated, tearing his gaze from the water to look at Dumbledore. Not, my stomach is rumbling, but I feel like it's rumbling silent. Not while they are merely drifting peacefully below us, said Dumbledore. There is nothing to be feared from a body, Harry, any more than there is anything to be feared from the darkness. Lord Voldemort, who of course secretly fears both, disagrees. But once again, me too, I'm, okay, dude, am I like, oh, I don't want to be like, once again, he reveals his own lack of wisdom. It is the unknown we fear when we look upon death and darkness, nothing more. That's true, though, for real. Harry said nothing. He did not want to argue, but he found the idea that there were bodies floating around them and beneath them horrible. And what was more, he did not believe that they were not dangerous. But one of them jumped, he said, trying to make his voice as level and calm as Dumbledore's. When I tried to summon the Horcrux, a body leapt out of the lake. Yes, said Dumbledore. I am sure that once we take the Horcrux, we shall find them less peaceable. However, like many creatures that dwell in cold and darkness, they fear light and warmth which we shall therefore call to our aid should the need arise. Fire, Harry. Dumbledore added with a smile in response to Harry's bewildered expression. Ooh, I feel like I didn't read that right. Fire, Harry. Dumbledore added with a smile in response to Harry's bewildered expression. Oh, right, said Harry quickly. He turned his head to look at the greenish glow toward which the boat was still inexorably sailing. He could not pretend now that he was not scared. The great black lake teeming with the dead, it seemed hours and hours ago that he had met Professor Trelawney, that he had given Ron and Hermione Felix Felicis. He suddenly wished he had said a better goodbye to them, and he hadn't seen Ginny at all. Nearly there, said Dumbledore cheerfully. Sure enough, the greenish light seemed to be growing larger at last, and within minutes the boat had come to a halt bumping gently into something that Harry could not see at first, but when he raised his illuminated wand, he saw that they had reached a small island of smooth rock in the center of the lake. Careful not to touch the water, said Dumbledore again, as Harry climbed out of the boat. The island was no larger than Dumbledore's office, an expanse of dark flat stone on which stood nothing but the source of the greenish light, of that greenish light, which looked much brighter when viewed close to. Harry squinted at it. At first, yeah, at first he thought it was a lump, a lamp, a lump, a lamp of some kind. My lumps. Oh, lumpy space princess. But then he saw that the light was coming from a stone basin rather than the pensive. I feel like, should I be saying like pensive instead of pensive? Pensive. The pensive. The pensive. The pensive. Okay, I'm going to try and do that, but I feel like that's not going to happen. So, we'll see. Which was set on top of a pedestal. 
Harry approached the base. I'm sorry. Dumbledore approached the basin and Harry followed. Side by side, they looked down into it. The basin was full of an emerald liquid emitting that phosphorescent glow. What is it? said Harry quietly. I am not sure, said Dumbledore. Something more worrisome than blood and bodies, however. Dumbledore pushed back the sleeve of his the sleeve of his robe over his blackened hand and stretched out the tip of his, the tips of his burned fingers toward the surface of the potion. Sir, no, don't touch. I cannot touch, said Dumbledore, smiling faintly. See? I cannot approach any nearer than this. You try. Staring, Harry put his hand into the basin and attempted to touch the potion. He met an invisible barrier that prevented him coming within an inch of it. No matter how hard he pushed, his fingers encountered nothing but what seemed to be solid and inflexible air. Out of the way, please, Harry, said Dumbledore. He raised his wand and made complicated movements over the surface of the potion, murmuring murmuring soundlessly. Nothing happened, except perhaps that the potion glowed a little brighter. Harry remained silent while Dumbledore worked, but after a while, Dumbledore withdrew his wand, and Harry felt it was safe to talk again. You think the Horcrux is in there, sir? Oh, yes, said Dumbledore. I'm sorry. Oh, yes. Dumbledore peered more closely into the basin. Harry saw his face reflected upside down in the smooth surface of the green potion. But how to reach it? This potion cannot be penetrated by hands. Vanished, parted, scooped up, or siphoned away. Nor can it be transfigured, charmed, or otherwise made to change its nature. Almost absentmindedly, Dumbledore raised his wand again, twirled it once in midair, and then caught the crystal goblet that he had conjured out of nowhere. I can only conclude that this potion is supposed to be drunk. What? said Harry. No! Yes, I think so. Only by drinking it can I empty the basin and see what lies in its depths. But what if... What if it kills you? Oh, I doubt that it would work like that, said Dumbledore, easily. Lord Voldemort would not want to kill the person whom reached this island. Harry couldn't believe it. Was this more of Dumbledore's insane determination to see good in everyone? Well, honestly, how else are you going to retrieve it, though? It is like a tool that he could potentially use. Okay, come on, Harry, get your shit together. Sir, said Harry, trying to keep his voice reasonable. Sir, this is Voldemort where... I'm sorry, Harry. I should have said he would not want to immediately kill the person who reached this island. (laughs) Dumbledore corrected himself. He would want to keep them alive long enough to find out how they managed to penetrate so far through his defenses and, most importantly of all, why they were so intent upon emptying the basin. Do not forget that Lord Voldemort believes that he alone knows about his horcruxes. Harry made to speak again, but this time Dumbledore raised his hand for silence, frowning frowning slightly at the emerald liquid, evidently thinking hard. Undoubtedly, he said finally, this potion must act in a way that will prevent me taking the horcrux. It might paralyze me, cause me to forget what I am here for, create so much pain I am distracted, or render me incapable in some other way. This being the case, Harry, 
It will be your job to make sure I keep drinking, even if you have to tip the potion into my protesting mouth. You understand? Their eyes met over the basin, each pale face lit with that strange green light. Harry did not speak. Was this why he had been invited along? So that he could force feed Dumbledore a potion that might cause him an unendurable pain? You remember, said Dumbledore, the condition on which I brought you with me? Harry hesitated, looking into the blue eyes that had turned green in the reflected light of the basin. But what if you swore, did you not, to follow any command I gave you? Yes, but I warned you, did I not, that there might be danger? Yes, said Harry, but... Well then, said Dumbledore, shaking back his sleeves once more and raising the empty goblet, you have my orders. Why can't I drink the potion instead, asked Harry desperately. Because I am much older, much cleverer, and much less valuable, said Dumbledore. Once and for all, Harry, do I have your word that you will do all in your power to make me keep drinking? Couldn't, do I have it? But... Your word, Harry. Ah, all right, but... Before Harry could make any further protest, Dumbledore lowered the crystal goblet into the potion. For a split second, Harry hoped that he would not be able to touch the potion with the goblet. But the crystal sank into the surface as nothing else had. When the glass was full, full to the brim, Dumbledore lifted it to his mouth. Your good health, Harry. And he drained the goblet. Harry watched, terrified, his hands gripping the rim of the basin so hard that his fingertips were numb. Professor, he said anxiously, as Dumbledore lowered the empty glass. How do you feel? Dumbledore shook his head, his eyes closed. Harry wondered whether he was in pain. Dumbledore plunged the glass blindly back into the basin, refilled it, and drank once more. In silence, Dumbledore drank three goblets full of the potion. Then, halfway through the fourth goblet, he staggered and fell forward against the basin. His eyes were still closed, his breathing heavy. "'Professor Dumbledore?' said Harry, his voice strained. "'Can you hear me?' Dumbledore did not answer. His face was twitching as though he was deep, deeply asleep, but dreaming a horrible dream. His grip on the goblet was slackening. The potion was about to spill from it. Harry reached forward and grasped the, the crystal clop. The, oh, my gosh! grasped, oh, for goodness sake, I can't even do that one, grasped the crystal cup, holding it steady. Professor, can you hear me? He repeated loudly, his voice echoing around. Professor, 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 can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Ooh, I hope that sounded okay. <laughs> Dumbledore panted and then spoke in a voice Harry did not recognize. For he had never heard Dumbledore frightened like this. I don't want. Don't make me. Harry stared into the whitened face he knew so well, at the crooked nose and the half-moon spectacles, and did not know what to do. Don't like, want to stop, moaned Dumbledore. You, you can't stop, Professor, said Harry. You've got to keep drinking, remember? You told me you had to keep drinking. Here. Hating himself, repulsed by what he was doing, Harry forced the goblet back toward Dumbledore's mouth and tipped it, so that Dumbledore drank the remainder of the potion inside. No, he groaned, as Harry lowered the goblet back into the basin and refilled it for him. 
I don't want to. I don't want to. Let me go. It's all right, Professor, said Harry, his hand shaking. It's all right. I'm here. Make it stop. Make it stop, moaned Dumbledore. Yes, yes, this will make it stop, lied Harry. He tipped the contents of the goblet into Dumbledore's open mouth. Dumbledore screamed. The sound... What kind of scream is this? Because I can do a high-pitched scream, but I'm not going to do that. Ah! The noise echoed all around the... (laughs) I doubt that's how he screamed, but... It echoed around the vast chamber across the dead black water. No, 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 I can't. I can't. Don't make me. I don't want to. It's all right, Professor. It's all right, said Harry loudly, his hands shaking so badly he could hardly scoop up the sixth goblet full of potion. The basin was now half empty. Oh, jeez. Only half? Nothing's happening to you. You're safe. It isn't real. I swear it isn't real. Take this. Now, take this. And obediently, Dumbledore drank as though it was an antidote Harry offered him. But upon draining the goblet, he sank to his knees, shaking uncontrollably. It's all my fault. It's all my fault, he sobbed. Please make it stop. I know I did wrong. Oh, please make it stop. And I'll never, never again. This will make it stop, Professor, Harry said, his voice cr- This will- Oh, I can't do a crack. This will make it stop, Professor, Harry said, his voice cracking as he tipped the seventh glass of potion into Dumbledore's mouth. Dumbledore began to cower as though invisible torturers surrounded him. His flailing hand almost knocked the refilled goblet from Harry's trembling hands as he moaned. Don't hurt them! Please don't hurt them! Please, please, it's my fault! Hurt me instead! Here, drink this, drink this, you'll be all right, said Harry desperately. And once again, Dumbledore obeyed him, opening his mouth even as he kept his eyes tight shut and shook from his head to foot. And now he fell forward, screaming again, hammering his fists upon the ground while Harry filled the ninth goblet. Please, 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 no, not that, not that, I'll do anything. Just drink, Professor, just drink. Dumbledore drank like a child dying of thirst. Oh, we know how they glug. But when he had finished, he yelled again as though his insides were on fire. No more! Please, no more! Harry scooped up a tenth goblet full of potion and felt the crystal scrape the bottom of the basin. We're nearly there, Professor. Drink this. Drink it. He supported Dumbledore's shoulders and again, Dumbledore drained the glass. How big is this glass? I feel like he's consuming a lot of liquid, but also is it just a tiny little glass? Maybe it's a tiny glass. I don't know. What is the standard goblet size? Okay. <clears throat> Harry was on his feet once more, refilling the goblet as Dumbledore began to scream in more anguish than ever. I die! I want to die! Make it stop! Make it stop! I want to die! Drink this, Professor. Drink this! Dumbledore drank, and no sooner had he finished than he yelled, Kill me! This, this one will, gasped Harry. You drink this! It'll be over, all over. Dumbledore gulped at the goblet, drained every last drop, and then, with a great rattling gasp, rolled over onto his face. No, shouted Harry, who had had stood to refill the goblet again. Instead, he dropped the cup into the basin, flung himself down beside Dumbledore, and heaved him over onto his back. Dumbledore's glasses were askew, his mouth agape, his eyes closed. No, said Harry, shaking Dumbledore. No, you're not dead. You said it wasn't poison. Wake up. Wake up! Renervate, he cried, his wand pointing at Dumbledore's chest. 
There was a flash of red light, but nothing happened. Renervate, sir, please! Dumbledore's eyes, eyelids flickered. Harry's heart leapt. Sir, are you... Water, croaked Dumbledore. Water, panted Harry. Yes. He leapt to his feet and seized the goblet he had dropped in the basin. He barely registered the golden locket lying curled beneath it. Aguamenti, he shouted, jabbing the goblet with his wand. The goblet filled with clear water. Harry dropped to his knees beside Dumbledore, raised his head, and brought the glass to his lips, but it was empty. Dumbledore groaned and began to pant. But I had some. Wait, Aguamenti, said Harry again, pointing his wand at the goblet. Once more, for a second, clear water gleamed within it, but as he Dumbledore's mouth, the water vanished again. Sir, I'm trying, I'm trying, said Harry desperately, but he did not think that Dumbledore could hear him. He had rolled onto his side and was drawing great, rather, great rattling breaths that sounded agonizing. Aguamenti, Aguamenti, Aguamenti! The goblet failed and emptied once more, and now Dumbledore's breathing was fading. His brain whirling in panic, Harry knew instinctively the only way left to get water because Voldemort had planned it so. He flung himself over the edge of the rock and plunged the goblet into the lake, bringing it up full to the brim of icy water that did not vanish. Sir, here, Harry yelled, and lunging forward, he tipped the water clumsily over Dumbledore's face. It was the best he could do, for the icy feeling of his arm not holding the cup was not the lingering chill of the water. For the the icy feeling on his arm, oh God, whatever, it's, that was weird. A slimy white hand had gripped his wrist and the creature to whom it belonged was pulling him slowly backward across the rock. The surface of the lake was no longer mere smooth. It was churning and everywhere Harry looked, white heads and hands were emerging from the dark water. Men and women and children with sunken sightless eyes were moving toward the rock an army of the dead rising from the black water. Petrificus totalis, yelled Harry, struggling to cling to the smooth, soaked surface of the island as he pointed his wand at the Inferius that had his arm. It released him, falling backward into the water with a splash. He scrambled to his feet, but many more Inferi were already climbing onto the rock, their bony hands clawing at its slippery surface, their blank, frosted eyes upon him, trailing waterlogged rags, sunken faces leering. Petrificus totalis, Harry bellowed again, backing away as he swiped his wand through the air. Six or seven of them crumpled, but more were coming toward him. Impedimenta, incarceris. A few of them stumbled, one or two of them bound in ropes, but those climbing onto the rock behind them merely stepped over or on the falling bodies. Fall-in bodies. Still slashing at the air with his wand, Harry yelled, Sectum sempra, sectum sempra. But though gashes appeared in their sodden rags and their icy skin, they had no blood to spill. They walked on, unfeeling their shrunken hands outstretched toward him. And as he backed away still farther, he felt arms enclose him from behind, thin, fleshless arms, cold as death. And his feet left the ground as they lifted him and began to carry him slowly and surely back to the water. And he knew there would be no release that he would be drowned and become one more dead guardian of a fragment of Voldemort's shattered soul. But then, through the darkness, fire erupted. Crimson and gold, a ring of fire that surrounded the rock so that the Inferi, holding Harry so tightly, stumbled and faltered. They did not dare pass through the flames to get to the water. They dropped Harry. He hit the ground, slipped on the rock, and fell. 
greasing his arms, but scrambled up greasing his arms, but scrambled up, raising his wand and staring around. Dumbledore was on his feet again, pale as any of the surrounding in fury, but taller than any too. The fire dancing in his eyes, his wand was raised like a torch, and from its tip emanated the flames like a, la- a vast lasso, encircling them all with warmth. The inferi bumped into each other, attempting blindly to escape the fire in which they were enclosed. Dumbledore scooped the locket from the bottom of the stone. Ooh, I have a hiccup. Ooh. Excuse me. Dumbledore scooped the locket from the bottom of the stone basin and stowed it inside his robes. Wordlessly, he gestured to Harry to come to his side. Distracted by the flames, the inferi seemed unaware that their quarry was leaving as Dumbledore and Harry backed, as Dumbledore led Harry back to the boat. The ring of fire moving with them, around them, the bewildered and fury accompanying them to the water's edge, where they slipped gratefully back into their dark waters. Harry, who was shaking all over, thought for a moment that Dumbledore might not be able to climb into the boat. He staggered a little as he attempted it. All his efforts seemed to be going into maintaining the ring of protective flame around them. Harry seized him and helped him back to his seat. Once they were both safely jammed inside again, the boat began to move back across the black water, away from the rock, still encircled by that ring of fire, and it seemed that the inferi swarming below them did not dare resurface. Sir, panted Harry, sir, I forgot about fire. They were coming at me, and I panicked. Quite understandable, murmured Dumbledore. Harry was alarmed to hear how faint his voice was. They reached the bank with a little bump, and Harry leapt out, then turned quickly to help Dumbledore. The moment that Dumbledore reached the bank, he let his wand hand fall. The ring of fire vanished, but the inferi did not emerge again from the water. The little boat sank into the water once more, clanking and tinkling. Its chain slithered back into the lake, too. Dumbledore gave a great sigh and leaned against the cavern wall. I am weak, he said. Don't worry, sir, said Harry at once, anxious about Dumbledore's extreme pallor and by his air of exhaustion. Don't worry. I'll get us back. Lean on me, sir. And pulling Dumbledore's uninjured arm around his shoulders, Harry guided his headmaster back around the lake, bearing most of his weight. The protection was, after all, well designed, said Dumbledore faintly. One alone could not have done it. You did well, very well, Harry. Don't talk now, said Harry, fearing how slurred Dumbledore's voice had become, how much his feet dragged. Save your energy, sir. We'll soon be out of here. The archway will have sealed again. My knife. There's no need. I got cut on the rock, said Harry firmly. Just tell me where. Here. Harry wiped his grazed... Scooty bug off. Harry wiped his grazed forearm upon the stone. Having received its tribute of blood, the archway reopened instantly. They crossed the outer cave and Harry helped Dumbledore back into the icy seawater that filled the crevice in the cliff. It's going to be all right, sir, Harry said over and over again, more worried that Dumbledore's silence, more worried by Dumbledore's silence than he had been by his weakened voice. Scooty, bug off, honestly, bug off. Okay, whatever. He's just going to lay on the pillow that my book is supposed to be on. Whatever. It's going to be all right, sir, Harry said over and over again, more worried about Dumbledore's silence than he had been by his week. 
We're nearly there. I can apparate us both back. Don't worry. I'm not worried, Harry, said Dumbledore. His voice, ooh, that wasn't stronger. I'm not worried, Harry, said Dumbledore, his voice a little stronger despite the freezing water. I am with you. That was so nice of him to say. Oh, how sweet Dumbledore. Anyway, next chapter looks crazy. Based on the chapter art, alone, the dark mark is in the sky above Hoggy Warrants. Ooh-wee.